does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. And welcome back. Another edition of Kevin's Corner coming at you much later in the week than we typically podcast. Apologies up front to some people that I know of, you know, been wondering, okay, uh, where you guys at? Where you at here? We're alive. Um, We're okay. Yeah, we are. So basically how the spring works, late spring, these three weeks of 10 OTA sessions is we are only allowed to watch one Per week, we will be allowed to watch the entire mini camp coming up in mid June, but right now it's just one day a week. So this week it's Thursday. Next week it'll be Friday. I think the following week is Wednesday. So our pod schedule will kind of just dictate based off that. I I tend to think Eddie Garrison that Friday afternoon recordings of podcasts typically don't go great in terms of listenership. So next week's pod, we actually will probably postpone until a week from Monday. So nothing next week with the Friday OTA, um, but we just kind of want to recap those open sessions, what we saw, what we you know just takeaways from that, and that'll be. Um, pretty much the uh, mode of operations here for the next three weeks. We'll also throw in the Pat Fitzgerald interview. Mm -hmm. I know I've talked about on the podcast. We'll do that today. Just before Twitter questions, um, Aditamoa Adabare. That's how you guys started out, yeah. Hope I said that right. Uh, Chad, or uh, I always say Chad Hall, the uh, former Bills wideouts coach, Evan Hall. Um, Those are the two Northwestern Wildcat draft picks for the Colts this season. And so we'll chat with uh, Pat Fitzgerald. We'll throw that interview in from our morning show. I think we recorded that a few weeks back. So, Eddie, good to see you. I guess this is another edition of Kevin's Corner. I don't know if I even said that at the start, but Eddie, how you doing, man? Doing well. Um, it's race week. We're almost there. It's it almost is. 500 time. Um, before we actually jump into the nuts and bolts of the podcast, first of all, uh, how many 500s have you attended? Ooh, it's a great question. Second, are you still going now that you have two young ones yeah i would say i've probably been to i'd say probably half my life so probably 15 or 16 uh 500s for me um on a nice little streak here yes we will be there in turn one my parents are very oh, turn gracious one? to watch our children so. we're uh we're, we're about to turn one because i'm also in turn one really yes. i think we're it's a new seat this year i had sat previously with some buddies in four uh-huh. i'm now going up with the in-laws in one i want to say it's like box b Okay, so you're like right at the start. You're yeah, more so the yeah, straightaway. Yeah. I pretty am, much at the end of the straightaway gotcha. start of one. Yeah. Um, so I actually sat in the seats briefly during a practice day, just kind of get a look of it. Um, really enjoying that that view. Um, can't wait. I mean, this is. I think I've said this before on the podcast, but you know, Colts and Pacers is so much work for me. Like stuff, yeah. I consider and mostly Colts, but I consider the race just like pure fandom, mm-hmm. and so it's awesome to enjoy it like that and not have any sort of kind of work responsibilities with it, and just really soak it in and be a fan for a week, a month, certainly a day. Um, I don't get to go to a ton of like major sporting events as a fan. Yeah, so uh, you get to let loose. I love it. I love it. I can't wait. Weather looks perfect, and uh, I guess we'll. Uh, We'll maybe throw a pick uh, at each other here to end the show. Yeah, the one thing I love about turn one, about where we sit, um, and you'll probably say the same thing after the race on Sunday, 
when the race starts and just seeing those cars come off a of turn four, the, mm-hmm. the pack of 33, and then as the race progresses, just seeing them all kind of like snake down the main straightaway, nothing beats it. Yeah, you know, I've obviously had the opposite end of that view of four. Yeah. And um, I sat in the penthouse during the practice Ooh. on Monday. That Ooh. was awesome. Actually, right before Catherine Legg uh, crashed into Steph Wilson. Um, but that's probably what I'm most excited about is just seeing you know the end of the straightaways where a lot of passes tend mm-hmm. to happen. One obviously has had a ton of action over the years. You get a little view of the pits as well. So um, I'm really really looking forward to it. It is. I will not sleep on Saturday night. Um, I love it. I love the pageantry of it. I love that our city hosts us on an annual basis, and uh, I cannot wait for Sunday. For those Honestly, you... this podcast, Eddie, is kind of like, all right, my work week is over. really getting coming to a close. Uh-huh. We'll be out there tomorrow morning, Carb Day, for a show from 7 to 10 a.m. for those that are listening to this on Thursday night. But outside of that, man, let's go. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta. Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. All right, appreciate everyone who stuck through the first four and a half minutes of us just talking about the Indianapolis 500. <laughs> so uh, let's jump into what the people actually care about, Colts uh, OTAs. First one today that you were able to witness. I think yeah. it was the first one in general, too, correct? Uh, third, third one. Third, yeah, okay. Tuesday was the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, first one they were able to, you were able to witness. Um, the first main takeaways I want to point out here, uh, Michael Pittman Jr. was not available today, as was Jonathan Taylor. And um, who's the other one I'm thinking of? A lot of tight ends were missing. Braden Smith, probably the other biggest name in terms of like most important players. Jonathan Taylor. Uh, Josh Downs. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of tight ends absent. But yeah, I'm glad that you actually started here, Eddie, because I'll probably say this a lot over the next three weeks, but I think it's worth to remind people we only get to watch one OTA a week. So they're, they could be doing some stuff on those other OTA days that maybe they don't want to necessarily show in, in in front of the media, or guys could be doing like a one-day-on, one-day-off sort of thing. Uh, quarterback reps, obviously a popular topic we'll talk about today. Those could differ yep. from day-to-day, of course. But you have to take roll call, because it's the first time they have had an 11-on-11 session in front of the media since January. Shaq Leonard. That was the one I was forgetting. Uh, Shaq Leonard, yes, of course. I know, and I'm... I, I guess I said this a few weeks ago when Leonard met the media. I've just kind of been under the impression, Eddie, like we're not going to see him until the first day of camp. Mm-hmm. I, I I was not going out there thinking Leonard is a guy I need to look for. I, I knew he'd be observing, and he was. But roll call is important because what happened this time last year? Kenny Moore did his little sit-in. I, I don't call it a holdout. I call it a sit-in is what Kenny Moore did last year. Obviously did not go very well for Kenny off the field or on the field and so the Colts have not had many of those um, but you have to kind of just take roll call so Jonathan Taylor ankle that's why he's not out there 
Michael Pittman, congrats to him and uh, Kiana's wife welcoming in, I believe, a baby boy into the world. Um, so shout out to them, like the Bowen family. They're going little girl boy, which I was not a fan of originally, but now after going that path, I think I think it's I think it's a win. I think you're a winner either way, but you are yes, neither I, here nor there. Yes, clearly you are you are a winner no matter what pops out of there. But um, yeah, shout out to Michael Pittman and again his wife Kian on that. Uh, the tight ends, a lot of them missing. Jelani Woods with a hamstring. Drew Ogletree, of course, still rehabbing the knee. Will Mallory, the rookie from Miami, had a big boot on the right foot. No Braden Smith, uh, a thing on his leg, I believe was the description from Shane Steichen. Uh, and then Shaquille Leonard. And that covers Isaiah Rogers and Alec Pierce. Like There are moments where I'm like, wait, are those guys practicing? But then I don't think I saw them in team sessions either. So, you know, a lot of notable names, particularly pass-catching group. I mean, the pass-catching group was missing quite a lot on Thursday. Um, so again, it doesn't look like anybody's sitting out due to contract disputes, things like that. Um, Is that concerning to you from a quarterback developmental standpoint with Anthony Richardson? Because, I mean, these are invaluable practices for, for him sure. to be working with these guys. Yeah, I mean, in the ideal world, those guys would be out there. Now again, Pierce looked like it was doing some stuff. Pittman, you would think, would be back next week. So it's not like you know, those top two wideouts yeah. should be returning very soon. Pittman, understandable. Mo so. Alley Cox, Kylan Granson, both practice. That's probably your number one and two tight end. I know Jelani Woods would, would obviously factor into that group as well. So, um, again, is that the most ideal thing in the world? But I don't look at it and think it's DEFCON either. So that was kind of the first thing that I was curious about. Then the second thing, of course, is, okay, reps for Richardson, reps for Minshew. So Gardner Minshew was the initial starting quarterback in the 11-on-11 period and then in the 7-on-7 period. So he got the first look with the starters. If you added him up at the end of the day, though, um, I think I had Richardson for eight 11-on-11 snaps with the starters, and Minshew had four. Um, so Minshew had that initial period, a four-play period, and then that was it. Mm. And then Richardson came back and initially was with the second unit with a four-play period. Then he got another four-play period later in practice with the starter. So of the 11-on-11 reps, eight for Richardson, four for Minshew. Each of them got four with the starters, though. Richardson got an additional second unit session. So I think I have all that right. I hope I said all that right. Uh, a lot of it can be a bit complicated. I do have a notebook up on our website in written form if you're looking for something. Um, you know, Eddie, this is my general thought on quarterback reps in the spring. Again, we watch one OTA a week. Shane Steichen said after practice, they plan to split reps between these two guys here in the spring. If you are splitting reps with your rookie quarterback on May 25th, that, to me, continues to be a good sign that for those people that want to see Anthony Richardson start the opener. So, that's how I view it. Um, obviously, you are seeing him in these settings, and then you might react to those settings. But if you are willing to give him, again, half the starting reps right now, to me, that continues down the path of, and probably the path of more tangible signs, that he will be the starter week one. Um, and I guess I'll kind of continue to update that maybe every pod, like if my opinions changed on that, because it is fluid and, and things do change and things can change. But again, I continue to think that um, there's a better chance than not that he is the opening day starter. I think Richardson was five of six in the 11 on 11 work. 
Um, probably his worst period of the day was with the starters a seven on seven. Uh, Julian Blackman, uh, bless you. Julian Blackman almost picked him off. It was a really nice play by by Blackman. And uh, there was a an incomplete pass that he had, but um, he had a really nice ball down the seam to Kylan Granson, like nice touch on kind of getting it to that second level, getting it over maybe the layering that that second level. Yeah, uh, re- really good ball there. Again, I continue to see pretty good decisiveness. And Shane Sykin was very high on Anthony Richardson after practice, and. You know, I, I think if anything, the Colts would love to temper their public expectations of Anthony Richardson. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I had people curious, hey, is Anthony Richardson going to drive the Indy 500 pace car? <laughs> no, no, no. Like, no. I mean, <laughs> the Colts are saying, hey, can we pump the brakes? But when Shane says some public comments like he did of, you know, he did some next level things and, you know, I've seen over the last couple of days some great throws and some great decisions, obviously... That matters to me because if anything, you would think that the head coach might want to play the temper game, uh, tempering game, if you will, uh, with Anthony Richardson. Um, that pretty much, I kind of think, sums up Richardson. There was, you know, you had play. I won't get into details. I don't think we're allowed to get into too specific details, but you certainly had plays that were called for Anthony Richardson and plays that were called for Gardner Minshew. Yep. And I think you can read into that, obviously what you will so rpos really (laughs) i i feel like it was a nice day for richardson again it wasn't a plus but it also wasn't like c plus yeah um i thought it was a nice afternoon for him um just kind of step in the right direction for his development like in the early stages right now and the thing about richardson too and i've heard this from a couple different people you know for him being kind of a kind of a gunslinger if you will or a guy that has a big arm i think he throws a pretty catchable ball like mm-hmm. I, I know at florida there was some you know oh boy he's throwing 98 and these guys just can't catch that heat i don't i mean sure there are a couple times where the fastball's been revved up but you know I, at, at this point in their rookie careers i probably saw a jacob eason fastball impact guys negatively more than i've seen an anthony richardson fastball do that and obviously working on tempo and things like that something that will hewlett the qb coach talked about with us a few weeks back so that was Richardson. Uh, Minshew was three of three in his one team session. Had a great ball down the sideline to I- Isaiah McKenzie for what would have been a touchdown. Um, the thing about Minshew is, and I think we all have been used to this hell since his days at Washington State. He just he's just an accurate QB. He's yeah. just a really accurate QB. You see that in seven on sevens. You see that in the you know throw the ball into a net drills that they do a lot during practice as well. Um, so I pretty much think that covers quarterback-wise. Um, you know, like you brought up earlier, Eddie, they were down a lot of pass catchers. Um, the starting group, I think, was Doolin, McKenzie, Mike Strawn, Granson, and Mo Alley, I guess, if you want to extend it to a kind of a five-man personnel. Again, Zach Moss is your running back. So in general, the skill group was getting tested a bit from a depth standpoint there. Uh there were a couple of rookies that I thought made an impact. I was about to... You know, mostly, I think the rookies are really being eased along. Um, you know, obviously, Richardson is is not. Uh, Juju Brents is out. Josh Downs was out today with a knee injury. So, you know, you didn't have any of your first, or I guess I should say any of your day two picks um, participating. So, that was a, a bit of a bummer. Again, I don't expect Brents at all here in the spring period. 
Um, but two guys I'll point out from day three. The individual highlight of the day was Darius Rush picking off Sam Ellinger in a 7-on-7 outside of the McKenzie play from Minshew. Rush, just a beautiful read, steps right in front of it, boom, pick six. I mean, I think it would have been a touchdown on on, on Sundays. Um, And you think about Rush, Eddie, he's not taking, you know, high-end, high-end reps right now. It was Tony Brown, Dallas Flowers, and Kenny Moore, I think was the nickel group um, with the starters. But what an opportunity for him when Juju Brents is not out there for the next, you know, 13. I guess there's now 10 of them left here this offseason. Just such an opportunity for Darius Rush and even Jalen Jones, the seventh round pick out of AM, to try and make those, those impressions. And then I would say the other rookie that stood out more just because it's a reminder of how close he is to playing is Blake Freeland. Mm-hmm. No brain smith today. We mentioned the thing on his leg was the description that Shane Steichen gave. So your starting tackles today were a rookie in Freeland at right tackle and a second-year guy in Bernard Ryman. So, I mean, you are, again, one entry away from, like, youth majorly at both of those tackle spots. So Shane Steichen had some nice things to say about Blake Freeland afterwards, but, you know, it's one of those things where the depth at tackle – I mean, right now, all your chips are in on that fourth-round pick. Now, I would say the difference from Freeland to Ryman leaving school, and I know Ryman was drafted around higher, but experience-wise, Freeland vastly more experienced than mm-hmm. Ryman and, and played at a higher level. I, I think BYU's schedule is, you know, honestly one of the better ones, um, or at least they have some marquee opponents, I should say, more so than Central Michigan. I know Central Michigan had LSU, but that was really it on their schedule. You know, Ryman brings 41 starts in the NFL, and unlike Ryman, excuse me, Freeland brings 41 starts into the NFL. Unlike Ryman, he had, you know, a good chunk of those at right tackle. So he's got that position flex, whereas Ryman was just a tight end and then a left tackle in, uh, in college. So, um, Important to note, I think, you know, Freeland is probably that swing tackle. And, you know, Brainsmith has been pretty durable throughout his career. A couple nicks, though. So, certainly something to keep an eye on. But all the injured guys were, were, were present, Eddie. I mean, I try to take roll call on everybody. I'm trying to think anything else stand out depth chart wise. But that pretty much covers everything. That Will Fries was that right guard? Will Fries was at right guard. So, it was the same exact starting unit that ended the year. You know, insert. Freeland for Brayden Smith. Smith. Um, was Danny Pinter a backup center or a backup guard? Do you remember? Was boy, I think he was the backup center. Is sixty-two French, Wesley French? I feel like that is. Yeah, I want to say he was the backup right guard uh, with that second unit. French was, I think so. And obviously, when you get into Ooh, French fries. <laughs> yes, I forgot about that in the preseason last year. You know, when you get into that second unit, a lot can fluctuate on. What would an eight-man O-line look right. like? You know, once you dress guys in the fall, things like that. The D the D line group is what you would expect. You know, Pay and um, Abukam, and then um, Jinx. Stewart and and, and Buckner, um, Zaire Franklin, EJ Speed. The third linebacker looked like Grant Stewart at times. Um, you know, certainly without Leonard, that's where you're at. Yeah, Nick Cross still with that second unit. You know, I mean, Julian Blackman and Rodney Thomas, I think, deserve to get that initial look with those starters there. So that'll be something to keep an eye on as they move along in the offseason. But again, I got full notebook up on the website. A lot more individual takeaways there. Listed out what I saw from the starters offensively and defensively as well. Um, I think that covers everything takeaway-wise. Did you have anything else on 
day one? Uh, I did not get to see much. Um, I was producing the midday show, so I was only able to catch glimpses off Twitter based off of what you guys were out there reporting. Uh, did any players speak after practice? And if so, did any say anything substantial or meaningful? So Shane Sykin spoke, and then the three players were Ashton Doolin, Mo Cox, and Ebukam, Samson Ebukam. Now, I will say, Doolin... That, I feel like, is something we should bring up, because let's get into the kickoff rule. Yes. Right here, Eddie, yeah. if you don't mind. What's your um, what's your take on it? We'll do this before we get into the Pat Fitzgerald interview. I thought my take was summed up pretty much in Zaire Franklin's tweet. So, let's go to Zaire Franklin's tweet about it. And, you know, to be fair to Franklin, Eddie, I don't know if there's a player more on the Colts roster that epitomizes impact on special teams first, find a role there in the NFL, and that turns into a defensive opportunity eventually. You know, Franklin kind of epitomizes that. But Zaire Franklin's tweet, when this was announced, and again, it's just a one-year trial, so we should note that, but basically was, at what point are we just going to accept football as a violent game? If you want to play 7 versus 7, just say that. You can't keep trying to phase out parts of the game. It's probably easy for me on my couch to say. It's probably another thing when a player like Zaire Franklin says that. Andy Reid kind of said this, a similar thing yesterday. Did he? Yeah. I think that's where I'm at. Like, there's an element of risk. There's an element of you know what you're walking into. You know, when these guys joined the NFL in their respective years, there was no fair catch on the kickoff. I mean, not even when, when they were drafted, just two weeks ago. So, mm-hmm. you know what you're signing up for. And you're very, you're handsomely paid for a reason because there is that gladiator sort of feel to it. And, you know, from a pension standpoint and what the NFL does for you in your post playing career, it's, it's pretty darn good, you know, financially. Um, now, I say all that to say if you can make tweaks from a safety standpoint, I'm all ears. Um, I probably side a little bit more on equipment level tweaks first okay what can you do with the helmet you know we we see the what's the padding thing that they wear during training camp called oh the hard hats yeah i forget what the name is of it but you know that's become more and more popular during camp one thing that i feel like about the kickoff eddie it's not an extinct play but boy it's pretty much extinct the colts had 33 kick returns last year as a team the Colts score. There are a lot of points scored against the Colts last year, so you would think they would have a lot of opportunities for kick returns. Thirty-three, so that's less than two a game. So, the play in itself is becoming a bit extinct. What I would like to see from the NFL, frankly, is I, I feel like the XFL has got a little thing going with their kickoff. Yep. That I am intrigued by. Uh, for those unfamiliar with it, the XFL has taken the kickoff guy and the return guy, and they're still kind of in their similar spots. They've taken the 10 cover guys and moved them down to the opposing 35-yard line. They've taken the 10 blocking guys, if you will, on the return team. They've put them at the 30-yard line. Mm -hmm. So you have a 5-yard gap. So it's kind of turned into more of a punt. It's a 5-yard engagement period which obviously lessens just the general force you can build up and distance and time of sprinting down the field. And, you know, for older Colts fans out there, they will remember the big hit Daryl Reed had on a, it was a Titans kick returner, or, I mean, hell, the big hit that McAfee had on Trended Holiday. Uh-huh. I, I was there. Soil. That was great. 
you're you're getting away from some of those things, but you're still putting in a somewhat you know competitive play that you've got to make a decision on the return aspect. You got to block a little bit. You got to make a tackle in space. Those sorts of things. And in the few highlights I've seen, some XFL teams have been gotten pretty pretty creative in like little end arounds with some of their guys. So that's something I'd like to see the NFL look into. Um, but I, again. It's not the end of the world. It's a 33-play play the Colts had last year. 33 times the whole year that the Colts had this play where they actually took a return out. So, it's not the end of the world, but again, I'm a little bit more of the thinking of um, how Zaire Franklin talks about the game. And, you know, he might be referencing a little bit more and how penalties are issued from a defensive standpoint, you know, mm-hmm. those sorts of things. Um and you're going to make tweaks, and I'm all for that. I'm just, it's a slippery slope of when do these tweaks become wholesale changes, and when does it come a little bit more seven on seven? And look, if you want to play flag football until you're in high school and the brain's super developing around that time, that's something that I think makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, the NFL game that I think so many people love, it is because there is kind of a physicality that you just re- you respect the hell out of. Yeah. And, and you want to see that on display there. Um, from a Colts standpoint, I do think it kind of hurts them. I mean, I kind of look at the Colts as a pretty good kickoff specialist group mm-hmm. with Rigoberto Sanchez and pinning balls in that coffin corner and running down there and making a tackle to 18 or something. Now, teams are just going to fair catch it. I asked Shane Sykin today, I go... Does this in any way say, hey, we don't want our fastest dude back there. We want one of our smarter, fastest dudes back there. Because you are going to have some decisions, I would think, from a fair catch standpoint. He said that you know, it's something that they've definitely given thought to, and it'll kind of depend week to week on it. Um, and and I, I just enjoy strategy. I enjoy the strategy of an NFL game, NFL plays, and I think you're taking a little strategy out with this sort of thing on that. Um, anything else? Eddie? I want to voice my opinion on that. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you this question. What does the NFL want? Like, what is their number one? What's the number one thing they want to see that they that fans want to see too? Scoring. Yeah. Uh-huh. To me, I think they're lobbying this out as a, hey, we're rolling this out here as a test because we want to see how it does from player safety standpoint. But in reality, to me, I have a feeling that it's more so in the direction of they want to see more offense. And by eliminating the kickoff return and allowing teams, instead of being pinned down in the corner, like you just talked about, like what the Colts did with Rigoberto Sanchez and Matt Hawk a little bit last year and across other 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 teams as well, of teams getting stuck there at the one or two yard line, having to take it out. Next thing you know, the offense comes out at like the, what, let's say the 18 yard line with less than a minute to go. Now they have the opportunity. They can fair catch throughout the 25. No time comes off the clock, so you're saving about seven to eight seconds, and now you're 35 yards away from a game-winning field goal or game-tying field goal. So to yeah. me, that's kind of like how I view this, and like they're trying it out, one, possibly to A, like they said, look at the injuries and see how it impacts it uh, in terms of the numbers compared to this past season to this year, and B, the scoring that could have implications, especially late in games. It's an interesting point. I I would like to think, and I do believe this, and I'm not just one that you know simply, oh, whatever the NFL says is you've got to believe them. Mm-hmm. I do think the root of it is from a safety standpoint. 
I do think it is the highest concussed play, and they would like to. No, I'm not know, saying that's bring not that down, but involved. you know, to your point, yeah, certainly there's a slight benefit from a scoring standpoint, and again, just an entertainment value standpoint on that. You know, do you see more squibs late in a game? Mm-hmm. You know, you know, this is kind of a bummer of you know what happens in bad weather games. You know, when you're when it's a really it's a struggle to kick the ball into the end zone. Yeah, you know, that obviously is going to have a huge implication on this rule as well. So. It's interesting. Um, the one-year trial, we'll see how it goes. But why I brought this up because you know I thought to Ashton Doolin today at that podium, thinking if Ashton Doolin entered the NFL in 2023, he might not have turned into the same player that he's turned into. Mm-hmm. Whereas last year as a free agent, he signed in a second year, second contract mm-hmm. with the Colts. So that I think is where some of the Zaire Franklin stuff certainly comes from on that end. Should we hit up the Pat Fitzgerald interview? Let's do it. All right, Pat Fitzgerald on the two Northwestern Wildcat draft picks. This is with us after the draft here on a Kevin and Corey, our morning show. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Jake, in a way, I feel like I've looked in the mirror like, I don't know, maybe 10 times since the Colts took one of these two Northwestern Wildcats on Saturday, and I've just said to myself, Adetamiwa Adabare. That's, now say it again. Adetamiwa Adabare. Tommy, yep. Yeah, Tommy, after that first reference. That's what he told us on Saturday. Um, and, and maybe I've done that to maybe prepare myself for our next guest. That would be the head coach of the Northwestern Wildcats, Pat Fitzgerald. Coach, if you're going to grade me, 1 to 10, how'd that sound? Yeah, that was excellent. Not bad for a first-timer. I, I would I would uh, strongly recommend the Tommy. Uh, I, I think you'll be able to uh, do a great job with that. But, man, oh, man, did the Colts get two great, great guys and – Unbelievable players, man. We're fired up. Okay, now, Coach, I want you to grade me as well, uh, and I'll do my best here. Give me an A to F score. Evan Hull. <laughs> Is it was that Hull or Hull? Hull. H U L L. Hull. See, where are you from? Like Cleveland? I mean, oh boy. Right oh here boy. in Indy, baby. You know what? And now, now, here's the thing, Coach. Be careful because like an hour ago, I was like, you know, this Pat Fitzgerald seems like a cool dude. Like, he'd be a cool guy to hang out with. And then here we are. We're off to this right now. Evan Hull. Uh, did I say it wrong? Or is it Hall? Yeah, no. Listen, guys. Love it, man. It's good stuff. Yeah. Listen, uh, you're going to really like these two guys. I think, number one, you know, I got to tip my hat to Chris and, and his staff. I mean, it, unbelievable job that they have always done. Uh, I've known you know Chris for a long time, and you know you want to talk about being thorough, uh, doing it the right way in, in, in the evaluation process, uh, and, and I think being really convicted with uh, you know the decisions they make are best for the organization. So we're we're incredibly thankful uh, to have two of our guys going to Indy, and um, I, I think the community more than anything is going to really enjoy the impact that both Tommy and Evan have because they'll be more than just football players; they're terrific men. 
they're going to be great teammates, and they're going to be uh, involved and engaged in the, in the community. By yeah. the way, does Cleveland have an accent? I, Chicago has an accent. Now, Indianapolis yeah, no, has kind why. of a <laughs> – Indy's got a subtle twang. I, I'll admit that. Like, I go places and people are like, you from the South? I'm like, what, are you kidding me? I'm from Indianapolis. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thrown off here. Uh, hey, um, Coach, let me ask you. You know, it's probably interesting, and, and I'm curious your standpoint on this because, um, you know, look, I – I do think you. I think you're a heck of a football coach, and I think Northwestern has shown that. I, I know last year, probably in wins and losses, it wasn't where you wanted to be, but I feel like players coming out of Northwestern are going to be pretty sound football players. So, is it ever of surprise to you which players are drafted and which are not? In other words, do you feel that there really is much transition between the college game and the NFL game, and what guys are expected to do? Yeah, I think it's a huge transition. You know, number one, I lived it, right, as a player. And now let, let, let me not insult any guy that's played in the NFL. I mean, I did not have the athleticism to even belong in a camp back in the 90s. But, um, you know, it's it's the 1% of the 1% of athletes that play our game. And um, it's just you, you have to be absolutely – uh, relentless in everything you do as far as being a player on Sunday. And some guys are just incredibly talented and they can get away with it for a while, but uh, more times than not, it comes back to your attitude, you know, what type of teammate you are, uh, you know, the relentless work ethic that you have. And then you got to be able to make plays and play within the framework of what you're being asked to do. And uh, are there more guys that I wish got opportunities? Absolutely. But it's simple economics, man. It's supply and demand. Uh, there's a finite number of jobs uh, in the NFL on the field, and uh, there's so many guys that want the opportunity. So, you know, when, when number 259 got picked, a young man from Toledo, or they, it's Mr. Irrelevant. I don't know. 259 guys got their name called. I think it's pretty freaking relevant, man. I mean, it's a, it, it's a big deal. So, um, you know, it's, it's great to see our guys. We have four get drafted this year and, and uh, three more that are getting camp invites. So, uh, you're right. Our record wasn't what it was, what we wanted to be for sure. Uh, but uh, we're not as far away, maybe as our record indicates. Losing five one-score games and a couple games by two scores, we're we're not that far away. And uh, you know, excited to get back to India and play in the championship. You know, we've been there two out of the last five years, and uh, there's no doubt that's a driving force of every team in the Big Ten. Uh, he is the second longest tenured coach in the Big Ten. Pat Fitzgerald with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Again, two draft picks for the Colts coming up on day three from his program. Let's get into those two, both of them captains. Tommy, you know, set the combine on fire. If it wasn't for Anthony Richardson, it was probably Tommy, the guy that, you know, drew the most headlines there. We're talking 284 pounds, and he ran a faster 40 than the draft picks the Colts made at corner and wide receiver just ahead of them. Uh, how do you see his best fit at the next level? Yeah, yeah, I really think he's going to move inside and go, you know, progress full time to becoming a three technique defensive tackle. Um, you know, we were in the process of doing that. You know, Tommy came in as a developmental guy, meaning just he was a little weight-wise undersized. And, man, you want to talk about uh, uh, just absolute stud and his work ethic in the weight room. And um, he had great traits and great talent coming in, but it was just his relentless work ethic that, uh, you know, really led him to that, that type of performance. Got better every year. And now that he's going to focus on one position, uh, the sky's the limit for him. And so – you know, some organizations want guys already at 330 pounds and, you know, so on and so forth. 
I think the Colts are going to be able to, you know, add, you know, just a handful of more pounds as, as he progresses through his career. And, you know, you're going to probably see a guy in a year, 295, 300 pounds. It's that's running for something fast and uh, hopefully having a party in the backfield in the AFC. Okay, then Evan Hull, um, you know, he's a guy that I feel like from a pass-catching standpoint, the Colts need to try and tap into that. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor speaks for itself, but kind of getting that third-down guy. Hull certainly caught the ball out of the backfield for you, but it almost seems like you're selling him short if you only label him as that. I mean, 2,000 rushing yards, you know, over the last couple years. Yeah, complete back. He can do it all. He's, uh, number one, just like Tommy, but high-level football intelligence. Uh, We asked him to line up and motion and shift and to be – he had to do a lot from the standpoint of not only learning running back and, and where his reads were and his cuts, but then protections. Uh, and then, you know, being able to line up anywhere on the field and then the entire route tree and then, you know, coverage concepts. So, uh, you know, as far as that, I think you're, you're going to check the box of a young man that uh, is very hungry, you know, under-recruited. You know, we offered him late. Uh, state champion, 100 meters, wrestler, uh, in high school, and then, uh, you know, humble to a point where I think you're going to see him be willing to do whatever the team asks him to do. If it's special teams, if it's third, whatever is needed, that's what you're going to get from Evan. And again, like you said, two guys that were captains for us that, um, you know, are just really special people beyond, uh, you know, their amazing traits on the field. Coach, I want to go back to Pat Fitzgerald, the head coach at Northwestern, is our guest on the Payless Liggers Hotline. I want to go back to uh, Adebore. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Um, Mm -hmm. In his background, you know, he was born and raised in Kansas City, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. But his parents come to the United States from Nigeria in the Mm -hmm. the 90s, which makes me feel really old, right? Um, (laughs) But... I oftentimes feel like, and I want to make sure that I'm not romanticizing a story that doesn't exist, okay? But my thought process would be that this is a young man that, while he was born and raised in the U.S., he's seeing right underneath his own roof two people who understand the dedication and the work ethic and the sacrifice that goes towards being successful to be able to make a life for themselves in a new land. And that example carries itself for a young person, even when he has God-given athletic ability. Did yeah, you witness no, that? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think that'll be a great conversation for you guys to have with Tommy and let you know him share his thoughts. There's no doubt family is the foundation, and uh, his parents are terrific. It's, we try to get his next youngest brother. Uh, he, he decided to go to a school in Norman, Oklahoma. I don't know why he would have done that. I mean, he would have looked pretty darn good in purple, too. But we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens in the portal world. But uh you know, I'll probably get charged with tampering now. But, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's a special family, and again, like like Evan. I mean, Tommy's the same way. I mean, just a he just you guys are gonna love him. I mean, he's and the, and the organization is gonna love him. I mean, this is a guy that wanted during training camp when everybody else was going back to take a nap. He wanted to watch film with with the coaches. I mean, he's um, he's really a special guy. And you know, we moved him around a lot, and now that he's gonna play just one position. It's going to be great. But the family, I'd, I'd rather have him, you know, really elaborate for you guys. And I think all of your listeners and everybody in Indianapolis will be blown away. 
Coach, I want to go back to something you said at the start um, and, you know, maybe any conversations you had with Chris Ballard during this process on these guys. Because, you know, I remember when the Colts drafted Anthony Walker in 2017. I mean, you talk about someone that I think Ballard said that he's going to take his job one day just in how intelligent and how important he was for you guys. And obviously, he's had a great NFL career. So, yep. what did you tell Chris or anybody associated, I guess, with the Colts when they asked you about Tommy and Evan? Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, again, like like most organizations, but you know, the, when the when the Colts come through here, um, you know, they're area scouts, there's, and then then you could tell, you know, when all of a sudden it goes like director of college scouting, and you know, it it starts to move up the uh, the, the corporate ladder there, so to speak, in the scouting world. Uh, you know, they're always incredibly thorough, and uh, for us, what makes it so fun working with um, you know our colleagues in the NFL regarding our players is it's it's so easy to be honest you know it's it, we don't have you know anything to hide with our guys and so the conversations are pretty straightforward and um you know it was it was like hey listen this kid's not even you know with tommy in particular he's not even close to what he's going to be uh and if 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 he does declare what he ended up doing uh you're going to see someone who's going to put up pretty special numbers what those are specifically we don't know but i, I we th- we thought everybody would be impressed and then like I said, you know, Tommy first goes to the Senior Bowl and just shows off his explosiveness and his violence and his physicality, um, and and then goes to the combine and puts on, you know, one of the best, if not the best ever, uh, as a defensive tackle from a standpoint of performance. So um, he's just scratching the surface. He, he's uh, he's going to be a guy that we believe is going to play for a long time. But Chris is a pro's pro. He and his staff are phenomenal. Uh, there's there's nobody better in the business and. It's just been a privilege to get to know him and his staff and, and the way the Colts organization goes about their business. When they go about that business and asking you, Pat Fitzgerald, about players, I mean, whether it be these two or other players, maybe they even ask you about guys you you saw on the opposite side from around the league. I don't know. But what percent of the evaluation that the Indianapolis Colts do do you feel like is non-football related in other words getting to know the person that they're getting and the commitment very high the percentage would be very high you know you'd have to ask chris specifically and you know kind of what they and how they want to do it but it is very evident uh the the culture looking for a very specific person uh they want to create a culture in the organization that, that i think starts just me as an outsider uh it starts with having just incredible people uh, in the organization, and that, at that core is the locker room. And um, you know, we, we've been we've been very fortunate. You mentioned Anthony Walker. I mean, it's you guys have drafted three of our captains. And, you know, I'll just say that. You know, I think that that's valued. I think that there's you know a lot of synergy in the way that we look at high school recruits, the same way that kind of Chris and his staff look at look at you know college prospects. That it's you know there, there's there's certain things you can see on tape, but more importantly, when things get challenging or things get successful. You know who is this young person going to be, and, and they usually revert back to that, regardless. And um, you know, you guys have taken three of our best that I've ever had the privilege to coach, and I look forward to these two guys making an instant impact in the organization this year. You know, one of the guys too, while we have you here, coach, that I wanted to ask you about, um, just because he's from the area, and, and I think his story is fascinating because it was so circuitous. And Hunter Johnson was a young man that was the number one recruit in the country coming out of high school, goes to Clemson, gets in the portal, goes to Northwestern, portals back to Clemson. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, was he – I don't mean this to be harsh on him. I don't know the young man. I'm not going to say was he mis-evaluated. 
Yeah. But but how does one go from being, the, you know, the number one can't miss player to a guy that is essentially each place he goes kind of vying for time? Yeah, I, well, I, I think if, there's a lot of unfair expectations put on young people in high school. I think that's number one. Uh, very, first of all, an unbelievable young man. I mean, incredible. And, um, you know, recently married and uh, was awesome while he was here. And, uh, you know, earned the starting job twice. You know, to his credit, he was, you know, right there. And it just it just didn't work. And, you know, I got asked kind of the same questions, and, and I'll, I'll project it back to me. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm a two-time All-American. I don't get drafted. You know, things happen. It just, it sometimes it just, you know, it just, just, it just happens where it just doesn't all work out. But he put everything into it that he could. I, I hope and pray that he has no regrets. Um, and I think he just gave everything he had. And you know, as as all of us end up eventually doing to play this great game, we we get welcome to the greatest retirement club in America and that's called retired football players of America association. And, uh, for some of us, it's grade school. Some of it's high school, some of it's college, some of it's pros. And, um, Hunter is a great person and was a great player for us. Uh, and we were just thankful to have him be a part of our program. Well, I think the fact that he was welcomed back to Clemson shows that clearly there were no character issues there. Right. I mean, you know what I mean? We wanted it. We know we wanted to have him come back here and, uh, you know, it was it was a great situation. I think he kind of went down there and was a, a pseudo GA. I know there was a very significant other in his life that was from Clemson, South Carolina, and uh, <laughs> I couldn't move Northwestern to, to Clemson. So, <laughs> you know, it's like, dude, I, I, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think if you got both, the, the, or, or excuse me, all three of us—myself, Hunter, and Dabo—in a room, we'd, we'd all it would be a, one of those bro fests, you know, where we all. <laughs> You know, we all, I think we all love each other, and, and uh, we all, I know Dabble and I both think the world of Hunter, and, uh, you know, I'm just thankful he was in our program, and I'm thankful that he touched our, our lives, and I had a chance to coach his older brother, Cole, too. So, I mean, it's a great family, and uh, he, he did a great job for us, and, and uh, was an awesome teammate, and just really thankful to have him be a part of our program. Lastly, I got to ask, Coach, I went to the Birmingham Barons game. I was in Birmingham for IndyCar over the weekend. Went to the, see the Birmingham Barons on Saturday. They're the AA affiliate. Are, are they better right now than your White Sox as the AA team? Uh, is that because of the Cleveland comment earlier? <laughs> <laughs> I just read your White Sox fan. I mean, I know you sang Take Me Out to the Ball Game at Wrigley. And then people yeah. are like, "Well, wait a minute! This guy's a Southside dude, so he's a White yeah. Sox guy." So yeah. I kind of, I kind of like the White Sox. They're struggling, but I kind of like going to games at, at, at yeah. the park there. Yeah. Well, we call White. Yeah. I mean, it's. I think guaranteed right now. It's. It's. It's been a little. It's been a little. I mean, I still names. say Comiskey, but I, you it's know. Comiskey. Yeah, my dad calls it Sox Park. You know, it is what it is. Uh, yeah, man. I'm a. I'm a Chicago fan. I mean, I've, I've got some buddies on the South Side that every time I see take me out to the ball game at Wrigley. Uh, I get the hate text, you know, and and, and and I get it, and I love those guys, you know, they'll always be my boys. But uh, you know, we live in in, in, a, in a in a pretty cool place. I mean, we're going to play again against Iowa at Wrigley this year. Uh, we're getting ready to redo Ryan Field, and so we'll be you know displaced for a couple seasons. And uh, you know, the T's are getting crossed and the I's are getting dotted, but it looks like Wrigley's going to be in the plan for that, and maybe some other venues here around Chicago beyond Soldier Field. So. Um, I, I, I just, I, I told my boys some point in my life, I'm going to see a red line world series where the Cubs play the white Sox and this, this city will go up for grabs. 
don't think it's going to be this year, though. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that that is smart by you singing at Wrigley. NIL money, whether it's a Cubs fan or a White Sox fan, all counts the same for you. Listen, dude, if we had NIL in the 90s, man, come on. Yeah. I, I would have crushed it. You would have been banking. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. crushed it. Yeah, You'd be I set. Mean, yeah. Think about, think about that statue Peyton Manning has. I mean, she'd be probably <laughs> on the building, you know, it's, you know, with the way Tennessee goes about this thing. But, yeah, no, it's it's great. It's awesome. And, uh, you know, all the all the football fans in Indy, you know, I'll, I'll say this. We've had the privilege of playing the Big Ten Championship twice. And uh, it, it's been awesome. And the hospitality, uh, the venue is incredible. Uh, it, it truly is a destination uh, that we all are fighting for in the Big Ten. And uh, I, I can't thank everybody down there enough for the great experiences we've had and, and look forward to fighting our tail to get back. You know, it's, uh, it's something special to be a part of it once, to be a part of it twice was surreal, but the next time we we're, we're there, we need to get we need to get the dub. I mean, I'm getting tired of being, uh, you know, number, I feel like kind of, uh, you know, they call me number two. You know, I don't. Hey, you don't got like you guys feeling. hung in there pretty well a couple of years ago. Yeah. yeah, if you're not first, you're last, right? And I was last last year, so I'm tired of that garbage too. But uh, you know, it's 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 a great hub for for the Big Ten championship, and I uh, just appreciate Alberta's hospitality, Coach. Whenever we have a guy on here that I that I just feel like is a cool dude, I always say. I was invited to my PBR party. I'm always like, you want to just come over and like, we'll just hang out and have a PBR and have a PBR party. In your case, you're Chicago, and so I'll make it an old style party. Diet Cokes are perfectly sufficient if you're not a beer guy. But <laughs> yeah, I'm good with, but, I'm but good like, with beer. Yeah, I, I, I think beer. like you'd be fun to have an old style with. So if I'm in Chicago, we're gonna have an old or, or if you come for the Big Ten championship game, and because I know you have all kinds of free time, then we'll yeah. do an old style party. Yeah, I'm only coming when we're playing. It's like I, you know, I get we get to go to the Rose Bowl as Big Ten coaches, and I haven't gone since I played. Like. I don't eat in and out burger. Like we got to earn that stuff, you know. When I go out California recruiting, but uh, I, I'm in, man. Let's let's do it, and uh, we, I, I'd love to do it. And let's have a find a great charity and, and do a little fundraiser. Maybe we'll do a watch party or something like that. We'll have some fun and get after it, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll Uber home. It'll all be good. That yeah. is a hell of an idea, right there. Pat Fitzgerald, head coach of the Northwestern Wildcats, again, coach of a couple of Colts draft picks here in 2023. Coach, can't thank you enough. Great stuff, and uh, good luck this fall. All right, guys, thanks a lot. And to all of our Cat fans in Indy, appreciate your support, too. Go Cats and go Colts. Thanks, guys. High energy from Pat Fitzgerald. Certainly there. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Again, we Adi Tamiwa Adabare. He's got it down well. He's got it down well. Tommy. Um, so, I think that's pretty much like a lot of our kind of can. Do we still have the Bernard Ryman one, or do we already put that in there? Uh, I think we still have Bernie. Okay, so we might throw... go back and double check, but I'm pretty sure we do. Okay, we might throw a Bernie one at you here moving forward. Uh, Eddie, let's hop into Twitter questions. Neil? Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. 
is up first with the home run pickup of Anthony Richardson. Do you think the influence of Shane Steichen is helping Chris Ballard pick a different breed of players? It's a good question, Neil. Um, you know, I remember saying after the draft that he, I think of Wink Martindale or Raheem Morris or Jeff Saturday would have been the Colts head coach. I'm not sure if Chris Ballard would have made the selection. I'm not sure if he would have had maybe as much confidence making the selection. You know, I remember asking Chris the week before the draft, how has Shane changed your opinions, if any, of the quarterbacks? He didn't really go down that path, but he did say that Shane has brought a little bit more open-mindedness into how you can utilize some of these quarterbacks. So I do think from that standpoint, you have a little bit more open-minded head coach. You know, something that I've brought up with this offensive staff it's a very unique offensive staff to me in their backgrounds. You know, a couple guys from the Giants. We saw how you know different their offense was looking this past year. You know, Cam Turner, the QB coach, comes from the the, the Cam Newton, um, Kyler Murray background. Tom Manning comes from the college game uh, as an offensive coordinator at Iowa State over the last few seasons. So, I just think in general you have a little bit more open mindedness. And anytime you do overhaul a system, I mean, we've talked about it defensively. I mean, Gus Bradley looks at small corners and he shuns. And yeah. the defensive line group, it's all about getting upfield right away. And a very specific skill set he's looking for in that Leo position as a, as a pass rusher. Those are some things that um, I think universally, no matter who you hire, you're going to do some things differently. You're going to scout a little differently. Say Anthony Richardson and Jonathan Taylor start all 17 games. In those 17 games, the Colts' offense hovers just around 6,000 total yards, 3,000 yards passing and 3,000 yards rushing. They average about 24 points per game and are plus three in turnover margin. Cade wants to know, what would their record be? Boy, those are some big numbers there, aren't those? Yeah, that would pretty much say you've got Jonathan Taylor rushing for near 2,000 and you've got probably 800 out of Richardson and you've got Evan Hole and Zach Moss around three to 400? Yeah, those are huge numbers. Um, boy, I, I yeah, I mean, double-digit wins for sure, right? With how soft the schedule is, certainly, right? I mean, plus three in a turnover margin is top 10, I think, usually in the league. I, I mean, think may- that's that's the key point for me. Out yeah, of yeah. I mean, that, that's something that I looked at. 24 points per game isn't, a, you know, isn't league leading, but it's a decent amount there. Um, considering the schedule, which I think is worth repeating, you know, part of me, if you made, well, what's the over-under right now? Is it six and a half? Yes. You know, if you literally said Kevin Bowen right now, pick over-under, I'd probably go over. Just, and a lot of that is based off the schedule. Yeah. Again, I get this on paper and all of that, but I mean, Kate, those numbers are and that's balanced like no other there. Uh, to me, if I saw those yard numbers and saw only 24 points per game, I would think like the team just quit in the red zone. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I, I guess I have a question on on that end, but that would be a double-digit win football team. Yeah, I'm going right there with you. Hold on. I'm trying to pull up Jalen Hurts uh, the sophomore year. So in 2021, what the what'd they go? Eagles? Yeah, is that when he um, they turned a Steichen halfway through the year? Yeah. So they started, let's see, one, two, three, one, two, three, three and six. Then they went over to Steichen and it was five and two. Yeah. 
So, I mean, there is a way to play winning football, football with that formula because that 2021 year, that was how they pretty much played football is that they would run with the running backs and Jalen Hurts and dink and dunk their way down the yeah, field. Didn't have A.J. Brown yet. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I mean, certainly yeah, the, possible. The, okay, those are big numbers, man. Huge numbers. Uh, Benji, can you explain or justify why the Colts did not draft one right guard with their 12 picks? Yeah, I mean, this is obviously one that if you look back, Eddie, on our positional mock draft, this is maybe the only pick that we had in there that didn't end up getting selected. Um, certainly there was a run there that you know we were we, we had that exact order and pretty much how it came off the board. I thought a middleish round pick would make sense. You know, when you look at the 12 guys picked, would you eliminate a third corner? You know, would you eliminate Jalen Jones and turn that into a guard? Obviously, Emil Echior is you know, a pretty nice resume there. Yeah, as a um, undrafted free agent, um, I think to me, I put more positional focus on the earlier draft picks. Um, I don't lose a ton of sleep over no right guard in the draft. Um, again. I could have seen one in the middle-ish portion. Like, did you need a safety in round five? Did you need a tight end in round five? You know, you could probably debate both of those sorts of uh, of, of selections there. Um, you know, someone brought it up to me. Could we see some action these post-June 1st? You know, oftentimes you see the veterans, the post-June 1st cuts mm-hmm. financially. Could you see some veterans in the fold there? That would be something to keep an eye on late next week here. Um, but in general, I think the overall question is just, wow, a rookie fourth-round pick is your sixth offensive lineman. I guess Danny Pinter might be your sixth in the interior. Um, but depth-wise, it's one of the more inexperienced depth groups I've seen entering training camp in a while, O-line-wise. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, how much does that change in the next two months? We will see, but... Um, you know, when you get into day three, late into day three, Benji, I'm probably more of just, I get the traits, find some outliers in that end, hopefully find them at premium positions and take a shot at it. Because yeah. the undrafted group at the non-premium positions, to me, can probably get it done. be interesting to look at where Tony Sperano Jr. has been and see if there are any like veterans that could be released yeah, um, with those teams. Because he has bounced around. Yeah, just familiarity yeah. with him from that coaching standpoint. Yep. Uh, Cato says he he says, "Hey Kevin, absolutely love the podcast. Your feel for the Colts and what we fans look to know about them is the best out there." And I agree that the offensive line needs some free agency depth. What are your thoughts about them going for Dalton Risner or Justin Pugh for right guard? Thank you, Cato, for that. Do you think Cato was named after Cato June? If, I, if he didn't have the eye, I would say yes. Okay. Okay. Well, maybe they wanted something unique on that. Maybe. On that end, uh, Kelvin Cato, do you remember him in the NBA? Uh, no. Gosh, now I'm finally getting to the point where I'm like talking to younger generations, and <laughs> for once I'm not the one that's like, you, yeah, you, know, you got to know the history of the game or blah, blah, blah. Kelvin Cato, there's no way. Was he good? Y- you should know who he is. No, I'm journeyman, big guy. Um, Eddie, I think I'm still in the same sort of position I've been in the last few weeks. Let's look at right guard, let's look at corner, let's look at safety. I think you can make the argument right now, all three of those positions could use some sort of help. Or there are question marks about the starting lineups at those three positions. I like to see veteran help for the positions that impact Anthony Richardson. I'd like to see the youth movement on the positions that don't impact him. I'm good at the corner, I'm good at the safety. Um, you know, when I was out there today, I'm thinking to myself, yes, you know, when you see the young guys playing, 
That's what you want to see. But in the interior or the exterior of that offensive line, I think it's really important to make sure that you continue to try and provide some veteran depth because that gets into a slipper soap of like, okay, now are you impacting? Could you break Anthony Richardson? You know, that's where you get into a little bit of the fragile nature of, man, if you don't support him up front. Mm -hmm. uh, Because as much as the Colts quarterback play has been mediocre to poor the last few years, I don't think you've walked in and given them the support that you promised them or that you thought you had. And the O-line's a big part of that, which is kind of shocking to say. But it is is a big part of that. Um, So, you know, and again, I mean, we're talking about it's the spring, but like... Braden Smith's got a little bit of a leg, and we know Ryan Kelly's injury history. I mean, I would argue that if you look in the Chris Ballard era, I would argue the Colts have had a better-than-most health offensive line, if that makes sense. I did not say that in the most fluent way. Under the Chris Ballard era, they have one of the more healthier offensive lines. Thank you. God, that sounded so much better. God bless you, Eddie. <laughs> yes, that's what I'm getting at. Like, I don't think we've gotten to the end of the year and been like, oh my gosh, can you believe that? Four starters down for, you know, 75% of the season. And I remember a few years ago when the Chiefs and 49ers played in the playoffs or played in the Super Bowl, I looked at their reliance on backups throughout the year. It was a huge number, much more than the Colts had from a need eight, nine guys in the O-line. So thinking that you don't is head-scratching. And again, that's what just... That's where the Ballard aspect of it is kind of like, that doesn't really check how mm-hmm. he typically, uh, typically thinks. Jason. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Says that he started listening to the Colts pod sometime during the 2019 season, so he did not hear your Andrew Luck retirement pod, which, by the way, was podcast 153. So he went back and listened. Jason, thank you for that. Ironically, I was wondering why we saw that spike in a the number there. Eddie? <laughs> Ironically, he said it was the last available episode oh. on Stitcher. Well. See you later after after today, right? I guess so. So he said, good stuff. Maybe go back and listen if you haven't. Uh, it made him think of a question for the pod, but uh, he needs to phrase it well, not a rehash of, quote, woe is me. This is a more around how would we have processed that in real time without verified check marks? Not to get into politics of it today or maybe not having Twitter at all that time. Would we feel different if we had heard about it on Center later in the day? Thank you. Yeah, Jason, I always feel comfortable talking about luck once every couple months. Cause, yeah, I, I do. I know there's some people that want nothing to do with it, and it's nothing that we you know, bring up organically. But I think when people ask questions like this in a different way, I think, it's, I think it makes for good good combo. Um, 
the images of Andrew Luck in that stadium are so vivid. And he's obviously caught up in understandable emotion. And I've always said this, Eddie. That was a Saturday night. It was week three of the preseason. You were into the fourth quarter of that preseason game. Eddie, you've been fortunate to go to preseason games. Like, yeah, it, it, it's a very diehard fan base that is there. Or in a lot of people's cases, I would say it's maybe your first or second. Or you know, it's not like you go to a ton of NFL games. Oftentimes, mm-hmm. the season ticket members they give their tickets away. So you see a lot of kids. Because, see a lot of kids. Yeah. Uh, and again, when you get to the fourth quarter at 10 p.m. on a Saturday night, you know, some people probably got a few pops in them as well at Pop, that point. Pops, nice. I have zero issue whatsoever with the people that booed. Um, I think fandom is all about emotion. Oftentimes, it's about raw emotion. And if you found out that news, I probably would be booing or screaming at the nature of it. Just like, this makes no sense. I'm almost booing because I'm confused. Mm -hmm. Like, wait, he's right here. He's on the field. He was just on the field a week ago looking like he was warming up for the Super Bowl. Yeah. Why? This is not adding up to me. So that's where I would be confused, the boos. You know, he's escorted off the field with the security guys for the Colts. I get why they did that, but it just, it looked weird, of course. Um, If you didn't have that, yes, I think some fans maybe would react in a little bit of a different way, or at least obviously wouldn't have reacted in that way. It's just unbelievable that they kept it quiet for as long as during the week that they did. You know, the, the plan was to have the press conference on Friday was the hope before the game. And the thinking there was, you know, you're going to get Andrew's family in town. He's not going to have to show up to the game on Saturday. Boom, you just kind of get it out of the way. Well, then I think Oliver, if I'm not mistaken, Andrew's dad got caught up in some travel issues, weather issues, so they had to postpone it. So then they were thinking Sunday. You know, tell the team in the locker room Saturday night, and boom, get to Sunday. So, um, yeah, I, I just... I do think people would react differently, but I think if Luck could do it all over again, you know, maybe he wouldn't have been so public in that workout the week prior. I mean, hell, I, I don't. Maybe he shouldn't have even showed up to the game, you know? And, and I mean, you're going to retire the next day. So what? It's a mysterious storyline for like 12 hours of why well, wasn't Andrew Luck at the game? Like, I don't. We would have noticed Luck's absence, but I don't think... I mean, again, it was a Saturday night in late August. It's not like talk radio is happening the next morning. Boom, you have a 10 a.m. press conference, and... But also, like... There you go. Just knowing Andrew Luck, like, based off of the Kiefer podcast and just through the years of watching him and listening to him talk and just getting to know him, that just wasn't how he went about things. Like, he absolutely loved sure. the camaraderie of a football team. It's a great point. And it, it, there was no way he was going to be able to pull himself off the field... Uh, away from the team unless he retired officially it's a um it's a great great point um so i think that covers everything on that end uh, by the way you mentioned zach Kiefer. really happy for him and his oh, yeah. move uh it's a bummer for us but great for him the move to the nfl kind of feature aspect to the athletic i've said this before i said it on twitter last week there's no better feature long-form writer than zach Kiefer. he is outstanding at what he does i've always said to him you know, privately, I'm like, dude, when are you going to get off this beat? <laughs> like, you're, you you are too talented for us. And uh, so I'm I'm happy for Zach on that on that end. And uh, you know, James Boyd and Bob Kravitz do a nice job there, uh, keeping things afloat. 
last Nothing. Twitter question comes. Is this from you? Uh, no, but it's from Kevin. I obviously love love the name. Between the Colts and the Pacers, which team at this moment has a brighter future? It's been a long time since both teams have been competitive at the same time. Yeah, when you think of this market, Eddie, you know, the Colts and the Pacers, the Pacers probably have, what, a 30-meter head start right now in the 400-meter race or 100-meter dash, however you want to describe it. I guess 400 and 100 are a lot different. But, you know, I think the NBA is just so difficult for a team in this market to sustain it. Um, You know, maybe the Pacers could factor into kind of the five, six seed on a little bit more frequent basis, but in terms of the two, three seed and making those annual runs, it's really hard to do, Mm -hmm. you know, for more than a couple of years in this market. You got to draft well, you've got to hit on later round picks. Puts a lot of stress. Got to hit the superstar. Hope the superstar stays. If you, yeah, I mean, if you want to look at like a Milwaukee and a Denver, I don't think anybody would have labeled them as like a massive market or one of the top five markets in the NBA. Mm-hmm. You know, Milwaukee's case, their best player is the 17th overall pick, and Denver's case, their best player is the 41st overall pick. So, I mean, it, it, those kind of flukish type things have to happen. Yep. Um, the blessing for the Colts is you're just you're in the AFC South. And shelf life in the NFL is not as long. And as we've said all along here, you're a Trevor Lawrence injury away from who the hell knows. But like, if you were to tell me right now, Eddie, who has a better chance to win their title sooner, mm-hmm. I would say the Colts over the Pacers. Brighter future, like when I see that little phrase, I'm generally more optimistic about the Pacers than I am the Colts. Yeah. Um, that doesn't, again, necessarily mean the Pacers are going to cut down the nets and win it all and deliver this city their first NBA title. But I do think they have a core in place to where they could, over the next five to seven years, create an ability to have maybe two or three years of those type of runs. Yeah. And then still being in the playoff mix in the other years. Whereas the Colts, again, you benefit from, you win your division, you literally are hosting a home playoff game. If you do that, then you're one win away from playing for a chance to go to the Super Bowl. Like, the NBA doesn't work like that with how best seven series are and how I think the game is really different come playoff time. But um, I, I still think, again, the Pacers have gone down the different path wisely, smartly. Kevin Pritchard admitted he was wrong. And now Chris Bauer is kind of like, oh, hey, Kevin, yeah, you care if I come down this path with you too? <laughs> you know, I, I, hey, I know you're way up there. We hope to get up there. One, I've got this Anthony guy. He's going to try and be your be your Tyrese and your Benedict. Like that's yeah, that's kind of where Chris Ballard is. And again, about time. Like it's about time that he admitted that some things that had to go differently. Um, the way I would answer this question is, I would say, short term, I would give it to the Pacers, just because, like you said, they already have the head start. They have. The guy, yeah. Next year they should be out of the playing game, or yeah. you know, I think a lot of people feel that way. And then there's optimism that they could trade up in the draft to get a Brandon Miller type player if they wanted, or you know, make a couple veteran trades if they wanted to go that route, or try and sign somebody. So they have some, as Kevin Pritchard says, optionality uh, coming up this off season before the NBA draft. And when you look at the Colts, I say the long term for on that aspect. Just because of what you admitted, a it's hard to play high level basketball for an extended period of time in the NBA. Just because teams get younger, superstars are always developing. Super teams are uh, develop over time and time again. It seems like, and 
on the Colts front of things, you're hoping, or the expectation at least, is that you're not going to be competing for an AFC championship or even a Super Bowl for what? Three years, two years, yeah, because of the development of Anthony Richardson, yeah, it, it, yeah, in all likelihood, I will say the second part to Kevin's question. It's been a long time that both these teams have been competitive at the same time. Have they ever? You know, when you think about it, and I'd have to look back. Were the, the Paul George Eastern Conference Finals were what eleven and twelve or twelve and thirteen? I think it was eleven twelve because I think that was right as they got luck. So yeah, okay, so you would have had that one overlap in that twelve season where both teams were obviously. In the playoffs, you know, you go back to the early or those piston pacer years. You know, I think what well, you got to the 03 AFC championship game, you know, when the Patriots beat you pretty soundly there. So you would have had a little bit around that time as well. Um, but so, I was only five years old, so I don't recall that. Sure, sure. Totally, totally get that. Um, so those are some, you know, times. But yeah, for our age group, Eddie, this is different. And again, this is a dream. I mean, this is what. You know, in a way, this is what the Florida Panthers are getting right now and the Miami Heat. And insert your jokes about, you know, Miami fans, but, you know, that's what you you want. And so I do think both these franchises are finally at the position of a little bit of restart. Pacers ahead of the Colts, but I do think it's a very intriguing, fun, curious time to be a Colts fan, to be a Pacers fan. Except some growth, mm-hmm. but I do think... It's a great moment. Eddie, I've got to go pick up Max. I, I, From the sound of it, we have the same Indy 500 pick. Is that correct? Alexander Rossi? It's been seven years since an American's won it. I think he's now with a team that gives him a pretty legit chance. He's been really good in practice. He's looked really good in traffic, too. His car looks good, if you want to go down that path. Uh, I just hope we get another fist pump down the straightaway as he's passing yeah, a car. Yeah, with a special digit maybe in the air with that. He's a daredevil. He's a daredevil, and I think he's going to get it done inside of row three. But no matter what, I think the parody in the race is tremendous. Hope it's entertaining. Hope it's safe. Cannot wait for Sunday. Have a good Memorial Day. Enjoy the race, my friend. Will do. You do the same. Nothing next week. Let's come back a week from Monday, okay? Sounds good to me. All right, everybody. Enjoy race weekend.